In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fourth Sunday of the month of Hatur, which is the last Sunday before we start the month of Kiyak, um next week. And we read the story about the rich young ruler, who was a man who came to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he knelt down before him, and he asked him, how is it that I could inherit the kingdom of God? And when the man asked Christ, the answer that the Lord gave him was some of the commandments. He told him, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And after the Lord said these commands to him, of telling him this is how you would inherit the kingdom, the man responded and he said, I have kept all of these. I have done all of these things since my youth. And these were the common commands. These were actually um, all from the Ten Commandments. This is something that all of the Jews knew, that this was the commandment of God from the beginning. And the man said, I've been doing all these, all of my entire life. But then the Lord responded again, and he said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. But the idea of giving up all of one's possessions, this was not a commandment. This was not something that the Lord commanded. Actually, the Lord said that we were to give 10% of the tithe. This is the tithe. To give 10% of all of our income to, to God. So it was not a commandment that God had ever given to tell the people that they have to give up all of their possessions in order for them to inherit the kingdom of God. So what was the Lord here trying to explain or trying to reveal to this man? It's not that there was some external thing, some external action that he had to do that was missing and lacking in his life that was necessary for him to enter the kingdom of God because everything that the Lord told him to do, he said, I have been doing these things. These things are the things I have kept all of my life. These are the commands. And if you notice these commands, the commands that the, that the Lord gave him are all related to the relationship between us and others. When he said, do not commit adultery, when he said, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother, all of these are regulating the relationships between people. And so when the Lord said, I have done, or sorry, when the man said, I have done all of these things, the Lord then turned from the external commands to something that was more internal. He said, okay, you have done all of these commands. You have done all of the things that you have been called to do, but you have some problem. And that problem is a love for money. And this love for money was not something external. It was something internal. It was something inside of him. What was preventing him from the kingdom of God was not because he was not kind to others or because he was, he was mistreating others or treating others in any negative or bad way. That was not the reason why he did not have the kingdom of God. It was because of something inside of him. And that is what the Lord wanted to focus on. He wanted to focus on what was on the inside. In John 4.23 it says, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshiper, worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. So what was the actual worship? What is the true worship that the Lord is seeking? It is a worship of spirit and truth. A worship in the spirit is not the same as an external type of worship. A person might go to the temple or to the church and say certain prayers that are supposed to be said and do certain actions that are supposed to be done and even from an ethical and moral perspective live both ethically and morally. 
And there are people who are not believers, or people who are atheists, or of all kinds of religions that live very ethically and morally. But the, 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 what was lacking to inherit the kingdom of God was not simply ethical practice and morality. What was missing is the, the connection with God, the purification from the inside, the sanctification, and this required that he be uh, without attachment, that there be no obstacle between him and God, that there be communication between him and God, that there be love between him and God, that he would sacrifice whatever is preventing him from approaching God, whatever love he had in his heart toward anything in the world, these are the things that he had to cut out of his life in order for him to approach God, in order for him to have a, a, a thriving and deep relationship with God, in order for him to inherit the kingdom of God, to be able to give up all that he had, <coughs> showing and demonstrating that he had no love for anything else but God alone. And this is the, the true worship, the worship of God in both spirit and truth. It is not just an external behavior, it is not just being a good Samaritan, it is not just acting kindly, but it is a true worship of God from the inside. When we stand in prayer, that we are truly worshiping God from the inside, that we are seeking to be united with God, that we are seeking to be conformed to the likeness of God, that we are seeking to do the will of God, that we are seeking in every way to do whatever it is that God is calling us for. These are the true worshipers, the ones who are transformed by the Spirit, the ones who are cleansed and remade from the inside, not just the focus on the external works, but the one who is truly made in the image of God and lives through the Holy Spirit in their life in all things. St. Paul speaks about the distinction between the spiritual man and the natural man. He also speaks about the carnal man. The carnal man is the one who lives for pleasure who lives to satisfy themselves, and who might be a very immoral person. The natural man is not an immoral person. The natural man is a person who lives by nature, who lives according to what our senses, what our, what our nature tells us to live by. The spiritual man is a person who lives above nature, a person who does not uh, yield to the natural impulses. A person who, for instance, when the Lord says to forgive your enemies, this is not natural. It is not natural to forgive one's enemies. When the Lord says, when someone compels you to walk with him one mile, go with him two miles. This is again not natural. To live like Christ is not natural. To live like Christ is spiritual. And only those who are filled with the Spirit of God can live as God, can live with the uh, commandments of God, can live in the likeness of God, can live as Christ did. And what we say is, what would Jesus do? It is not just about what would Jesus do. How do I do what Jesus did? Can I do what he did? Do I have the power in me to be able to do what he did? To live like he did? To sacrifice like he did? To love like he did? To forgive as he did? It is not just the knowledge of what is it that Christ did, but it is the power with which to do those things. And that is the worshiper. The true worshiper of God is the one who has the Spirit of God in him to be able to live this kind of life. So in the life of this man, this love of money was a God to him. He worshiped money. It was something that prevented him from moving forward in his spiritual life. It kept him from experiencing God as it should. So I want to speak a little bit just about how do we worship God in spirit? 
How do we become these true worshippers of God? How do we become the one who has no attachments, the one who is unfettered by the world, the one who is living with God completely and sincerely and, and only sees God as the goal and the target and whatever thoughts or emotions or actions or, or whatever it might be, God is the primary thing. God is the primary thing that we think about. How do we worship God in spirit? The first is we should value the spiritual more than the physical. To value the spiritual more than the physical. In Colossians chapter 3, it says, Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. St. Paul is telling the Colossians that you've already died. You have died. You have died. And your life is hidden in Christ. Why is it that you have died? Because you are in Christ. Because you died with Christ. Because you chose to leave the world behind. Because the moment you accepted to be a disciple, the moment you accepted to follow Christ, you died to the world. And there is no desires of the world left. There is nothing in the world for you anymore. That the promise that God offers is far greater than the promise that the world offers. Set your mind on the things above. Set your mind on the, on, the, on the things of God, on the heavenly things, on the eternal things. For us to value the spiritual more than the physical, this is a sign that we are worshiping God in spirit. That we are living according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. St. Paul says, walk by faith and not by sight. Meaning that we are to live according to the faith that we have received from God, according to the promises of God, and not just according to our senses. I am willing to give up the physical to gain the spiritual. This man, for him to live spiritual, he had to be able to give up his worldly possessions in order to live in the spirit, in order to be a disciple of Christ. And this doesn't mean that that's the answer for all of us. It doesn't mean that for each of us, if we sell all that we have, that becomes our spiritual progression. No, maybe that's not. But there is something. There is something maybe that we harbor inside that is an attachment, a physical thing in the world, a physical relationship in the world, a physical habit that we have in the world, something that attaches us to the world that is a constant source of dragging us down, dragging us down, dragging us down, keeping us from being able to have joy in our life, keeping us from being able to trust God completely, keeping us from feeling joyful and happy, something that is, that is causing us some kind of suffering, some addiction, some bad habit, some wrong thought. All these things are preventing us from our spiritual progression. Value the spiritual things more than the physical things. How often do we discount prayer, for instance? How often do we see that maybe prayer is superfluous, unnecessary, quick to discard it whenever we're busy and that we don't have time and we don't make time for it? Prayer, for instance, is, is a, the perfect example of a spiritual activity that we do that connects us with God, that reminds us of Him, that is a true act of someone who worships. It is not an activity that we, we see like its physical effect in the world, at least not immediately. We don't know exactly what the prayer is accomplishing. We don't know. We can't put our finger on it and say, because I prayed on this day, then such and such happened to me. No, we don't know this. But we know that prayer is important. It is a spiritual act that is done by the spiritual person. Because for the spiritual person, the most important thing is a connection with God. The most important things are the spiritual things and not the physical things. The second way that we worship God in spirit is that we rely on Him more than we rely on ourselves. In Isaiah 41, it says, For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. 
If we walk and go through our life believing truly that we are in the hands of God and that everything that God allows us for our good and God prepares the way for us in our future for good. If we truly, truly believe in this and we rely on God, we should live without anxiety. We should live without fear. We should, we should live without anger. We should live without any of these negative debilitating things that come upon us when we feel that we are alone, that, that we have our whole life is kind of a burden on ourselves, that we ourselves have to take care of ourselves, that no one is really standing by us, that no one is really helping us, that the problems we face are bigger than us. Those feelings that we have maybe indicate that I'm trying to live life relying only on myself. If I truly believed in the presence of God with me all the time, then I wouldn't feel as stressed. I wouldn't feel as anxious. It doesn't mean that we would never feel these things because we are human beings and we struggle. We struggle through all kinds of situations and we struggle because our faith is weak. But the perfection of that faith, the perfection of that knowledge and that understanding is that we rely completely on God and we place all of our burden on Him and that as, the, as Christ said, that His yoke is sweet and light. When we put all of our, our troubles on Him and He carries it for us, there is no reason for us to be afraid. There is nothing for us to fear in this life because God has conquered this world and that we are always in His hand. The sign that someone is a spiritual person and worshiping God in spirit, this is a person who is not anxious. This is a person who is confident, assured, feeling always that God is with them and that they are walking with God all the time. Not relying on themselves, but relying on God. The third way for us to worship God in spirit is to accept the will of God. To accept the will of God in our lives, even when we don't like it, even when it seems unjust to us. In Hebrews 10, it says, For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Why is there endurance with the will of God? Because sometimes the will of God is not easy. If the will of God were always easy, were always simple, were always something that we enjoy, why would St. Paul say that we need endurance to do the will of God? The will of God is sometimes difficult. The will of God is for our purification. The will of God is for our growth, our transformation. And that often entails some difficulty, some challenge that God is calling us to endure, to, to go through, to live out. And that it is through that that we turn to Him. It is through that we rely on Him. It is through that that we grow in faith. So we have to accept the will of God. If the path that I'm choosing to go is different than the path that God chooses for me, to accept that this is the case. To accept that God is calling me to a different path. The, the, maybe the hopes that I had are not coming are not coming to fruition like I had hoped, like I had imagined them to. To just trust and believe that the path that God is leading me through is the best one. For you have need of endurance. If we truly believe that the Lord is good, then we trust and wait on Him. We wait for Him to accomplish in our lives everything that we need. This is the third way that we worship God in spirit. The fourth way is to fill ourselves with the words of God and treasure them. The world is filled with all kinds of vain philosophies and knowledge and, and, and ways of thinking and ways of living and ideas and information. So much information and so much different philosophies and ideas, whether political ideas or moral ideas or all kinds of ideas. The question here is, which one do we choose? Which one do we live by? When we read the Word of God, what do we see of it? Do we see it as just one alternate way of seeing things? 
one possible way of looking at life, one possible way of, of living? Or do we look at it as the way? It is the way. It is the only way. That it is higher and better than every other philosophy. It is higher and better than every other teaching, than everything else. Even if it is completely against our modern understandings. Even if it is completely against the natural way, going back to the discussion between the natural man and the spiritual man. Someone who is truly living as a Christian in the world, people would look at them and find them strange. Why are you living the way that you are living? This doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit the way the rest of the world is. You know, we always look at the world around us and we say the world has gone crazy. The world has, is just full of insanity. And St. Anthony has this famous uh, phrase that said, the day is going to come where the world will go mad and then they will look at us and they will tell us, you are mad, you are not like us. They will say about us that we are mad because they have gone mad. And certainly we are in this point right now. The world is mad. And they look at us and accuse us of being the ones who are mad because we are the only ones with sanity. Because we are the only ones who look at the world and judge it and say, this doesn't make any sense. And what the world is doing is completely debased. So we fill ourselves with the word of God to remind us of what is the truth. To remind us of what is, what is sense and what is sanity and what is true and right and good. And when we live according to our faith in the world, we should expect that they will look at us and think that we are the ones who have gone mad because our way of life is so different than the way of life of the rest of the world. We treasure the Word of God and we read the Word of God and we keep the Word of God, especially when people around us see us as being crazy. That, that why are you living the way that you are? Why are you thinking the way that you are? Because this is the truth. This is why. It is, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. This is what, Saint, Saint, uh, this is what the, the Lord said to the people. Right? The spirit gives life. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. This is the, the life-giving power of the word of God. It is life. This is what we cling to. This understanding and these promises of God are what we cling to. This is how we worship God in spirit. The fifth way that we worship God in spirit is by standing humbly before God. In Psalm 25, it says, The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. Who is the one that is going to receive understanding? Who is the one who is going to receive the promises of God? The one who is going to see through the physical obstacles that we are in, who sees beyond the senses, who sees beyond what our senses tell us is true and the limitations of the senses so that we can live in faith? It is the humble person. The person who is willing to receive from God and to whatever it is that we receive, we are willing to put it into practice. Whatever it is that we tell God, speak to me, and whatever it is that you tell me, regardless of how inconvenient it might be and how difficult it might be, I will do according to your word. This is the person who will hear the truth. This is the person who will hear the word of God. But if we are unwilling to put the word of God into practice when we receive it, then why would we receive? Why would God reveal if we are unwilling to put into practice? We read the word of God not just for education, not just for knowledge that we have in order to speak to one another about what the Bible says. We read what the Bible says. We read the word of God so that we can apply, so that we can live, so we can submit to it with humility to say that I am putting myself under the feet of Christ, that whatever it is Christ commands, I will do. 
because this is the only way I can live. This is the only way that I can flourish and I can have joy in my life. This is the only life that makes sense. It is a life that is directed by God, not a life that is self-directed. He is the one who knows what is best for me and I humble myself and submit myself before him. Another uh, way that we worship God in spirit is, is through rejoicing more in our salvation than in any other thing. Rejoicing in our salvation more than in any other thing. St. Paul said, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We do not rejoice in, 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 in satisfying the flesh. We do not rejoice because our flesh is satisfied, because we go after the things that our flesh desires in this life. Those are not sources of joy. The real source of joy is for our spirit to be satisfied is for our spirit to rejoice in God and in God only. We rejoice in our salvation, which is why when we face all kinds of difficulties in this life, and as far as much as it is difficult for us to endure, but what gives us hope and what makes us to feel compensated for whatever it is that we struggle with in the world, it is the assurance, it is the joy that we have in the salvation that God has given. And that we look to our eternity and we say, God has secured me. God has given me eternity. God is working out my salvation in me. God is working this process of salvation in my life. And so I have joy. I have peace and rest. Because even though there are people that might harm my flesh, there is no one who can harm my spirit. That God is the one who is keeping me secure in him. And that my future is beautiful and wonderful and calm and peaceful and joyful. So I am rejoicing in my salvation. And that helps to offset whatever disappointments I have, whatever sufferings I have, anything else that I might experience that is a negative that I experience in my life. If I always remember, this is only temporary. This is only for a time. And even if I don't find the solution, and that God does not provide the solution for whatever temporary problem I have in this world, it will not last forever. There will be a time where this problem will go away. And that time will be in my eternal life where I will live with God in joy. But this has to be the focus. And as believers, this has to be the focus. Where am I looking to? What am I trying to attain? Am I trying to attain a career? Am I trying to attain um, some kind of earthly goal? I'm not trying to say that those things are evil. But ultimately, what is the ultimate goal that I'm trying to receive? Every other goal we might have might be frustrated. Every other goal that we have we might not be able to attain. Or maybe we attain it for a time and then we lose it again. But the, the goal of salvation, the desire to be with God for eternity in heaven, this is a goal that we will attain and we will have it forever. And no one can take it away from us. This should be a source of rejoicing, a, joy, a source of thanksgiving that we are thankful to God for all of the good that he gives. The last way I want to discuss about worshiping God in spirit is by submitting to the commands of God. Submitting to the commands of God means that I am working toward uh, obedience, that I am learning how to submit and to be obedient to what God said. How is it that I should live according to what God said? That's how I should live. How do I determine what is right and what is wrong? According to what God said. I am submitting to the commands of God. God is the one who is directing my life and telling me how is it that I should live. It is not that I am choosing for myself this. 
It is not that I am deciding what is right and what is wrong according to our, you know, logic or understanding or whatever is on social media or whatever is in the news or whatever society is saying. Those are not the sources of truth. That is not where I'm going to get my information or my knowledge or my understanding of what is right and wrong. I read the Word of God and the Word of God reveals it to me, the commandments of God, and I submit myself to the commandments of God. Finally, in Mark 10, 27, it says what? With men it is impossible. This is what the Lord said about the rich young ruler today. Because, because it, he was speaking about how difficult it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And after he said this, <coughs> referring to the rich young ruler, because this rich man, he came to Christ, he told him, how can I inherit the kingdom of God? He told him, go sell all that you have, and the man couldn't do it. He walked away. He couldn't leave behind the, the, the money that he had attained. The thing that he was clinging to in his life, the, the material, was preventing him from entering the kingdom of God. And so even though the Lord was calling him for discipleship, to walk with him, but the man couldn't, and he walked away because of the love of money. And so when the Lord saw this, he said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle rather than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. How difficult is that saying? How difficult? Saying someone who is so attached to wealth, how difficult is it for them to enter the kingdom of God? And he's not saying that wealth is evil, but the love of wealth, which often comes with wealth, is what is evil. The love, the love of money. And that causes us a big problem because we are the wealthiest nation in the world. And so we have plenty of wealth, many of us. How is it that this is affecting my life? What is it causing me to do and not do? So when the apostles heard this and they were concerned at this, what the Lord said, how is it that a rich man could enter? So then the Lord responds, he says, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. God can do anything. God can fill our hearts with Him. That even though we have whatever it is that we have and whatever situation that we're in, God is the one who's able to work. God is the one who's able to make us be able to worship Him in spirit and truth. But we have to turn to Him. We have to ask Him, help me, fill me with a desire to worship you in spirit and truth. Help me to live according to this way that you have called me to live. And this is difficult for all of us. It is difficult for us to see Him as the most important thing more than anything else in the world. So to be spiritual is more than being moral. To be spiritual is more than being moral. It is about living a life with God. It is not just about the external actions that we do. It is about being with God always, in Him, living with Him, praying with Him, to Him, and feeling His presence with us all the time, desiring to please Him in all that we do. And may God grant us the ability to worship Him in spirit and to see Him and experience Him and know Him on a daily basis. And glory be to God forever. Amen.